Welcome back to the parking lot. We thought we were done with this, right? Uh, let me just give you a couple things before we jump in. We're going to be in the book of Jeremiah in just a minute. I do want to reiterate what Adam has already said to you this afternoon. We're, we're really encouraging you. If you can't do it this afternoon for some reason, um, do it tomorrow. You know, but just uh, we're, we're encouraging you to get out and, and prayer walk at your local schools. Um, again, there have been times in the past where we've even taken the church bus and piled people on. We're not going to do that right now for a lot of obvious reasons. But uh, there's no reason that you and your family can't get out and, and go. And uh, whether you get out at, at the school and pray there or are you in your vehicle. But we just encourage you to do that. Uh, we're really just uh, This means a lot to our schools when we do that. Principals and teachers alike, and we have an opportunity to do those things. So I just encourage you to do that. If you if you need one of these uh, school prayer guides or prayer walk prayer guides, these are available. We can get you one. If you didn't get one, they they're also on the website. And I believe Autumn emailed those out uh, early this week or earlier this week. So that information is available for you. I hope that you will. Uh, obviously, this is not the way that we would have wanted the day to work out for us, just being outdoors. We, we really like the indoors. It's climate controlled and all those other things. Uh, but just FYI, uh, we, we had, uh, during the, the, the course of, uh, of this week, it became pretty obvious that the thing that we've avoided through the entire pandemic uh, happened, and that was that we had uh, spread within our church body. And so we just uh, felt strongly as leadership and pretty much everybody that I spoke to that it was wise for us to pump the brakes, get some distance, let everything die out. Uh, what are we going to do next Sunday? We will, we will decide Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere in that range. We're not making a decision right now for sure about exactly what's going to happen. We're going to allow some things to dictate. But, uh, but right now, we're so thankful. Let me just say a couple words of, uh, of thanks and, and really just encouragement. The good thing is that even though this isn't what we want, we were ready to go, and it didn't take us long to get everything rolling. Um, uh, those folks that set all these things up, Kevin and, and Adam in particular, keep all their good notes about that stuff. They, they were able to pull everything out and get it ready. They had everything staged and ready to go by Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, and volunteers showed up and helped set everything out. Our, our, our worship folks, the music folks, you guys are, are just flexible, and I appreciate that. And then uh, you guys show up, and so we really, I hope that that doesn't come across as pedantic. I don't mean for it to. I just appreciate the fact that you guys continue to show up. No matter what the world throws at us, uh, you guys keep showing up, and that's a great thing. So I'm really thankful that you're here this morning. It's an odd sort of week. We've already killed two snakes in the parking lot this morning. So, I mean, all the things, look around. How you feel right now, huh? Yeah. Um, but uh, just all the, the sort of weird, and look at this, look at this little cloud I get for about two minutes. But all, all the things that come together to sort of, sort of um, make for just an awkward week, right? Now, I, I, I'm, I'm very thankful to tell you that uh, for, I, I think everybody we have who tested positive is doing fine. As far as I'm aware, everybody's good, so we're really glad for that. Uh, but uh, it's been one of those weeks. If it hasn't been for, for you, it, it has been for me with all the things happening here. We have a church, uh, a family in our church that experienced a, a, a death that was not or outside of our church, but a really traumatic death. I had a, a friend who died this week um, that, I, that I went to high school with who was murdered. I mean, all the things that can, can, can find us in the middle of, of the world going, what in the world, Lord, where are you? Can I just tell you this morning that God knows where you are. God hears our prayers, God hears our cries. And this morning as we consider the book of Jeremiah, I want you to know that God knew exactly where Jeremiah was, who Jeremiah was, and what Jeremiah needed. And God knows all of those things about you today. 
He's not surprised that we're out here sweating a little bit. He knew this last Sunday, and yet the Lord still goes with us. So, um, again, just thank you for being here. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. I'm going to read to you from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, and we're going to read 10 verses here. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, the king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Let's pray together. Father God, we know this word is true. Father God, I pray it would be a word of encouragement to us today. Whether, whether those folks who are listening today be here in this parking lot, inside of our sanctuary at home, Lord God, wherever we are, I pray we'd be encouraged today to know that the King of all kings, the God of all gods, the God who sees and creates all things, knows us and is with us. Be with us, we pray, in Christ's name, amen. I'm going to go to two funerals this week. Lord willing, that's all I'll go to, but I know that I'll be attending two funerals this week. But one of my favorite funeral stories, if you're allowed to have favorite funeral stories, actually comes from a funeral about 20 years ago. It was one of the first funerals I ever officiated as a minister. I had a, a distant relative that, that, that died, and, and at the funeral, my, my parents got a call said, Hey, your son's going to be a pastor, right? Why doesn't he come help participate in this funeral? And I was like, Oh, all right, that, that's great. Yeah, I can do My dad, he was like, Hey, son. I, and I was like, Sure, dad, whatever makes everyone happy. And so um, uh, it, we... It was such an odd, I had a college roommate that actually drove up to the funeral just to kind of lend his support. I tell you what, if, if you guys um, have listened to my podcast, I did a podcast with a guy named Russ, who's a doctor down in Charleston. He's the guy that drove up, and I was so embarrassed on the back end because my friend had been there. So in the middle of the funeral, we have uh, somebody that, that steads up to give a, a eulogy, and and there in the middle of the eulogy, they said two things that sort of jumped out. Well, well uh, from, from the stage, he stood up and, and he was having a really difficult time, which is understandable. And, and, and he said, I just don't know if I can get through this. And from the back of the room, somebody shouts out, if you can't, I will. And I thought, oh, no, there are people I know here. And these are my people, you know. And then they finished the funeral. And as he's finished, he looks down at the casket and he says, and when you get there, tell Dale Earnhardt we all said hello. Wow, I was just, I got to follow that, right? What do you do in that, in that moment? See, there are times we're met with situations that we can't handle. 
In fact, that, that funeral experience was one of those sort of awkward moments. But that word of encouragement from the pews that Sunday, even though it sort of troubled me in my younger years, I've, I've come to appreciate some aspects of that, right? We need those people in our life that will stand in the gap for us. If you can't, I will. I've, I'd even begin to argue there are times that God puts us in sort of these situations that we can't handle. So that we may learn from Him that when we can't, He will. You see, it simply isn't true that God won't put more on you than you can handle. The opposite is actually true. There are times when the Lord will put more on you or at the very least allow more to be placed on you than you can handle for the very purpose that you must rely upon Him. Had somebody here this morning, just a few minutes ago, who's fresh back from their COVID experience and their COVID quarantine. They said, it's like I died and came back to life. Everything stops for a, for a few weeks, and now here we are. The Lord will allow us to struggle sometimes, to go through hard days. This morning, we're considering Jeremiah's calling. Jeremiah was a prophet called to a difficult task. Jeremiah's, prof, or Jeremiah's, prophet, Jeremiah's calling was to deliver a message of judgment to a people who had zero interest in hearing it. Jeremiah's calling was to deliver a message of judgment to a people who were, you ready? Actually experiencing some of the best days they had experienced in years. And yet in the midst of that, Jeremiah was called. And Jeremiah said, I can't do it. So I ask you this morning, what if you can't? What if you can't? I'm going to give away the end of the sermon. If you can't, God can and that's what we're going to see in Jeremiah's life. The first thing we see right here is, is that God knows you. God knows you. See, last Sunday when I left from here and I didn't think anything was going on, God knew that I was going to need to bring my preaching fan back for an experience. I'm glad. Y'all love this thing. It is my comfort. Y'all remember when we were outside in the heat? This was my, my, my security blanket. And I, when I got the call, when we made the call that we were back outside, the first thing I did was went and put a battery in my fan and got it ready to go. Well, that sounds kind of ridiculous. I didn't know I was going to need any of this. We didn't know we were going to need this trailer or all these other things. But God knew exactly what we were going to do. When we had a deacon's meeting on Monday night and it became pretty obvious pretty quick that this is the direction we were headed, God was three steps ahead of us. God knows us and God knows what we need. Before God gives Jeremiah his marching orders, God shares with Jeremiah some very valuable information. He said, I know you, I have known you, and I've got a job for you to do. Jeremiah, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Folks, can I tell you that before the Lord ever told you what he needed from you, he knew who you were? And before you begin to tell the Lord what you are or are not going to do, before you tell him what you are or are not capable of doing, can I tell you that he knows you inside and out, through and through? Since before you were a twinkle in your mama's eye, he Form, before he formed you in the womb, he knew you. He knows your strengths and your weaknesses. And before you were born, God had a plan for you. That should, that should really overwhelm us a little bit. It should, it should really blow us away. As adults, we kind of get a, a, a glimpse into this, right? Those of you that are above the age of about 25, you can, you can attest to what I'm fixing to say. We begin to see often in young people things that they don't yet see in themselves. We can, we can see things sometimes are super young. Rhonda can talk to you about the things that she sometimes sees in our children at just 7, 8, 9, 10 years old that they don't even know is there, but she, she can watch it blossom and mature. As a young man, before I surrendered to pastoral ministry at 18 years old, 
many of the people who knew me best in my church already knew what God had in store. As a matter of fact, when I graduated high school, one of our uh, student leaders at that time, she gave me a a gift uh, for graduation, and um, she looked at me and she said, one day you're going to come back here and you're going to say, I've surrendered to the ministry that God's called me. She said, and when you do, I won't say I told you so. I said, that's not going to happen. I'm going to go and do these three things. This is my goals for life. She said, okay, but I won't say I told you so. You know, to this day, she's never told me that. She's never said I told you so. But when I had to come back and tell her, she just smiled, and she said, hmm, how about that? The people in my life knew things about me that I didn't know. Right? As, as we age, we can begin to identify those things in young people before they see it in themselves. So it shouldn't really come as a surprise that the God who forms us knows us inside and out. He puts callings on our lives. And watch this. He knows what he's going to do with us. That shouldn't come as a surprise. Some of you didn't figure it out until you were 50, 55, 60 years old, what it was that God had called you to. But can I tell you that God knew that since before you were born. Since before the days you could remember, since before the days your mom and daddy could remember, God knew you and knew what his plan was for your life. Listen, God knows all things. He knows, ready, all the things, all the little ins and outs, all the things that turn around. When God calls you to something or God puts something on you, just remember, he knows what he's working with. He knows. Yesterday I had to replace a, 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 a faucet in our kitchen. And I, I, I don't enjoy plumbing work for the most part. It's not enjoyable. Um, but this one was a particularly unenjoyable experience. The way that our kitchen cabinets are made, and then, you know, you've got the, 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 uh, the garbage disposal that's sticking down, and I'm, I'm, you know, this thick, and there's this much room under it. I'm laying there with my feet hanging out. And, 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 you know, I need help because I'm trying to hold things from the bottom and move things from the top. And I'm having to yell out the commands and nobody really will do it exactly the way that I want them to do it. Um, and, 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 and there we lay. And, and finally, I, I just looked at the whole situation. I knew I was going to have to go to Lowe's to get some things. And while I was there, I said, surely there has to be a tool that makes this just a little bit easier than what I'm doing. And, do you know, there was. There was a tool. And I brought it home and I used that tool and it did absolutely nothing. So I spent 20 bucks for absolutely no good purposes. But, you know, there's somebody who knew what in the world they needed to do. It took me forever to get it all worked out. Everything was rusted and, and messed up and had to cut things. And, but you know what? I, before I jumped into that, there are other people who knew what in the world needed to be done. I didn't, but others did. You know, the Lord just knows it all. He knows it all. And so whether he calls you to something big or small in your mind, just know that whatever he's called you to, he knows what he has called you to and for. He knows you. So do this favor. Don't ever sit back and, well, if the Lord knew me, he wouldn't have done this. Here's what's awesome. He does know you, and he did it anyway. That's what's really cool. I invite folks to church sometimes. I say, if I walk in the door, that place will burn down. I say, brother, let me introduce you to people that walked in the door, and there was never a single spark kindled. God knows you. Jesus died for you just as you are. So just know that. God knew Jeremiah. The second thing we see in Jeremiah's life and that we should see in your own life is that God hears your excuses. Now, I believe this may be one of God's greatest acts of grace toward us. He listens to our excuses. Now, we know that grumbling and complaining is a sin. 
Philippians 2.14 says, Do everything without grumbling or complaining. So when we gripe, when we moan, when we complain, we are working explicitly against God's good commands. And yet, watch, Jeremiah says, Oh God, I'm just a kid. Oh, I am but a youth. That's the real nice way of saying, I'm a kid and I do not speak plainly. And I don't want to stand up in front of those folks and say those things. He's grumbling and he's complaining. He's making excuses. And yet the Lord doesn't strike him dead. One of God's greatest graces in our lives is that he listens to us and he hears our excuses. Now what God knows is that Jeremiah doesn't have a leg to stand on. He's making all these excuses and it it sounds like a kid that's explaining to you why he can't clean his room. The whole time they're explaining why they can't do that, you're sitting there knowing that they could have gotten it all done in the time it's taken them to make up 47 excuses for why they can't do it. Jeremiah says, God, I'm just a kid and I can't... God's, God's probably thinking, just imagine this. Jeremiah, you're complaining because you're young and you can't speak in front of people and yet somehow it hasn't occurred to you, Jeremiah, that you are young and you are speaking this way to the creator of the universe. But God doesn't do that, does he? God doesn't kill us. He doesn't wipe us out. Jeremiah, I have a job for you to do, but God, I'm just a kid. I can't really do this. Listen, it's worth knowing a little bit of the historical circumstances of Jeremiah's situation so that you can appreciate just how significant Jeremiah's excuses were. Because some of you think you have an excuse, but when I give you Jeremiah's excuses, you're going to go, oh, well, it seems like he might have had a leg to stand on. Jeremiah's being called by the Lord to go to the people of Judah and to pronounce judgment against them. What's interesting is that Jeremiah's call probably came when he was 16 or 18 years old, somewhere in that range. He was called to ministry during the reign of Josiah. Now, raise your hand if you know something about Josiah. What do you know? Josiah became king when he was a kid, eight years old. Josiah, shortly after, as he begins to grow and mature, Josiah recognizes that the evil practices of his grandfather, Manasseh, had brought in pagan worship. The, the, the temple had been devoted to the worship of an Assyrian god. All of these pagan things are going on. Josiah is what the Bible calls a good king who feared the Lord. And so Josiah brings about all of these, all of these um, religious uh, renewals in, in, in the country. And at what point is this that Jeremiah is called to the ministry? It's that the Bible says the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the Lord, the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. 13th year. We're well into Josiah's 20s. We're well into the midst of Josiah's religious reforms. Not only is Judah experiencing something of a religious renewal, but because of the weakening of the Assyrian Empire, Josiah is able to take the Assyrian gods and kick them out of the temple in Jerusalem and not get slaughtered. You understand? Assyria is being pressured from all over, and as a result, they can't put their attention on the kingdom of Judah too much. So not only is Judah experiencing a bit of a religious renewal, they're experiencing a bit of of freedom in in their own culture and in their own society. And in the midst of this, God says, Hey, Jeremiah, I need you to go and pronounce words of judgment. And Jeremiah said, Whoa, whoa, God, I'm just a kid. And Lord, I don't know if you've looked around, but... Things are pretty good here right now. They discovered the law, the book of the law a while back. Lord, 
They're doing some things. They've they've restored the temple. People are offering sacrifices. And yet Jeremiah is called to pronounce God's judgment against these people. Even as Josiah is tearing down pagan altars and restoring the temple. Why? Here's what we need to see. And as you spend time in the book of Jeremiah, it's going to jump out for you really clearly. There was a government effort to bring about a religious reform. But what happened was the institutions were changed, but the hearts of the people were never turned towards the Lord. Folks, this is why we can't aim at the outside and expect to change the heart. We've got to aim at the heart and expect the heart to change the outside. Jeremiah was called as a young man, maybe a teenager, to go to these religious establishments and basically say, hey, I know it looks good, but looks can be deceiving. If you don't believe me, turn over to Jeremiah chapter 7. We're going to get to the good stuff right here. This is what Jeremiah, 16 years old, is called to do. Right? Pay attention. Listen. And the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, you men of Judah who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds and I will let you dwell in this place. Well, they're like, wait a minute, Jeremiah, we are already here. And he said, no, no, you don't understand. You're not going to stay. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice with one another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I I gave of old to your fathers forever. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after the other gods that you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say we are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. Jeremiah's got plenty of excuses because God's calling Jeremiah to go to the place where all of the, all the people who should know something, all the people who should be doing the right thing are at, and to go to them and say, hey, I know you think that you're safe and secure in the place where you are. But even though your feet are in the right place, your heart is in the wrong place. He says, you can't live for yourself all week, all month, and all year and then present yourself into this house and believe that somehow or other this house is a magical talisman that will give you good luck. The prophet Joel, who potentially was a prophet during the same time as Jeremiah, would say later on, what? Rend your hearts and not your garments. It's not your religious activities, your religious festivals, but it is your devotion to the Lord. Jeremiah has reason to be uncomfortable and even scared, but when he complains, when he offers all the excuses why he cannot obey the Lord, I want you to notice how God deals with him, and this is really important. Because when Jeremiah offers all of his excuses, God doesn't do what Craig is is tempted to do. What am I tempted to say when my kids are griping and moaning? Why do we have to do this? Because I said so, now go! What does God say? Jeremiah, I'm going to go with you. Jeremiah, I understand that you're afraid. I'm going to walk with you. I will go with you, before you, around you. He doesn't say, do what I said, boy. He says, I am going with you. So we have the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. And there, Jeremiah's call. We see that God knows Jeremiah. 
We see that God has a plan for Jeremiah. God hears his excuses. Third, this morning, God equips you for your calling. Look right there in Jeremiah uh, 3, 9, and 10. What? Jeremiah says, God, I'm young. And then he says, God, I just don't think I can do it. And God says, I'm going to put the words in your mouth. God says, I'm going to do it for you. Can I tell you that when God calls you to something, God equips you for the task that he has called you to. God equips you for the task that he has called you to. Oh, Jeremiah, or, oh God, I'm young and I don't know what to say. God doesn't just say, go on and figure it out. He says, I'm going to go with you. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need. Fifteen years ago when I became, no, sixteen years ago when I became pastor here, I also became um, supervisor of the staff. I didn't know how to do that. had to learn a few things. But one of the things that somebody in our church taught me was, was that when, when somebody's not doing their job effectively, there are three questions I should ask to begin with. And the first question is, do they understand what's being asked or required of them? Do they know what I want as their supervisor? The second question is, have they been given the tools necessary to fulfill the job? And, and, and number third, do they have the skills necessary to do it? Before we jump straight to the conclusion of they don't want to do their job, we need to ask those three questions, right? So the first question simply says, have I been clear? The second question says, have I equipped them to actually do what it is they've been called to do? The third question is, are they in the right place or not? Are they going to fit here? It's not until we get to the fourth question is, if I've given them a clear understanding, I've given them all the tools, and I'm convinced that they have the necessary skills to get there, and they don't do it, then we go, oh, well, they're just lazy and they don't do their job. But we don't jump straight to that place. But watch, when the Lord asks a question of someone, he doesn't have to ask any of those things. When the Lord calls us, there's no question about whether or not we understand, whether or not we're equipped, and whether or not uh, we've got everything we need to do the job, whether or not we've got the skills. Why? Because if he's the one communicating, he knows he's been clear. And then he equips us with the tools that we need, and he gives us the ability. God says, I've given you everything you need. Jeremiah says, Lord, I'm afraid. Lord, I'm scared. Lord, I don't know if I can do this. And God says, I know. First, I'm going to go with you. Second of all, I'm going to give you everything that you need. God equips us for the job that he's called us to do. So what if, what if you can't? There's a degree to which this just becomes a moot point. Because even though you can't, he can. Even though you can't, he can. And so Jeremiah is called. But, but really this comes back uh, around to what is our expectation? What is our requirement? What does the Lord require of us? What does God require of you? What if you can't? We, uh, um, we have a the home gym at home in our, our shop. So that's where I, I work out. We, we all do it. It's kind of a family thing sometimes. So we even have little stuff that, like, my little ones can do, little, little weights that Sloan and Brooklyn can do. And so they, they come out and, and, and they work out sometimes. But inevitably, everybody always wants to do something else, something more. And so when you're 7, 8, 9 years old, everybody wants to be able to bench press. But if you're 7, 8, or 9 years old, you just can't. It's just there's so much um, balance and, and the weight and all that other stuff. But... Always, I want to do it every once in a while. So sometimes, 
we throw a little kid up on the bench, and, and, and we get to bench press that way, but there's only one rule. And the only rule with that is that daddy has to spot. I got to handle it. Why? Here's what I know. I know they can't pick up the weight. But I know that I can. They can't, but I can. At the end of the day, this is really where Jeremiah has to land. Where, to some degree, all of us has to land. I can't, but what if it's not about what I can do? What if the real question is, what can the Lord do? What is God capable of doing? I don't know what God's called you to, all right? But I know a little bit about making excuses when God calls me to do something. I, I know a little bit about explaining to God what I can't do. I know a little bit about all of those things. But I've learned a whole lot about this reality. It doesn't really matter what I can do. It really all comes down to what is it that, that God can and will do through us, through you and through me. So this morning, I, I want you to know three things. I want you to know that God knows you. And, and I want you to know that he knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows your weaknesses and your strengths. We're in the middle of what is the, the, the weirdest time for, for football season, right? Everybody's talking about football, but nothing really matters until until games start being played. But, but right now, if you listen to Sports Talk Radio, which I do a good bit, they're, they're arguing about who's got the best of this and who's got the best of that and what could they do to strengthen this and what could they do to strengthen that. And, and, and the, the thought process there is that they, they know and if they just fix it the way they want. Can I tell you that God knows your strengths and your weaknesses? We don't know anything about what's going to happen the next week or month. I don't know anything about a football season. I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. God knows you, though, like every single inch. And he loves you anyway. I think I said that last Sunday. I think I might should say that every single Sunday of my life. God knows you and loves you anyway. The second thing, God hears your excuses. Now, I don't know that I would say that God wants to hear your excuses. That might be a bit of a stretch. But he hears them. And he doesn't, like, he's willing to listen. Do you have anybody in your life that's just willing to listen to you whine? We all need somebody like that. That every once in a while you can just call them on the phone and say, listen, I don't need you to explain. I know it's going to be all right. I just need to vent for a minute. Do you know that the Lord is willing to hear those vents from us even when they're wrong? This is one of his incredible gifts of grace towards us. He's not standing up there in the sky with lightning bolts trying to shoot us down every time. Instead, he is gracious, merciful, and kind. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That's what he's going to say through Jeremiah. 
later on. And that's what he says to you. He knows you. And then finally, God equips you for your calling. God equips you for your calling. What have you been called to do? I don't know. I don't know. But I know this. Some of you here today have been telling God no for a long time. For a long time, you've been saying, God, I can't do that. Or even worse, you went, Craig Thompson, God, I won't do that. I've been there. I've been there when I said, Lord, I'll do all those things, but that one's too far, and I won't do that. Do you know that even when I was in that place, living in that kind of rebellion, God continued to draw me in because he is gracious and kind and merciful. He's patient and long-suffering. What is the thing you've told God that you can't or you won't do? You say, but Craig, I just can't. And I'm here to tell you that it doesn't matter what you can or can't do. Because God fills in all the gaps. Jeremiah was called to a difficult task, right? Let's not miss that. We sometimes, as I've said before, we sometimes Disney or G-rate these Bible stories. Oh, look at Jeremiah. He got called to serve the Lord. In my journal this week, I wrote, I, I said, Lord, I'm so thankful that I was not called to the role of Old Testament prophet. I'm so thankful that I'm not Isaiah walking around naked for three years. I'm so thankful that I'm not called like Jeremiah. You go and you pronounce judgment against these people. And Jeremiah, they're going to hate you. And Jeremiah, you're not going to get married. Jeremiah, you're going to live a single life. Then you're going to write the book of Lamentations and it's going to be hard because your life is going to be challenging. I said, Lord, thank you that you haven't called me to that. Jeremiah's life was hard. But God was sufficient for the task. God was enough for Jeremiah. And God's enough for you. So I ask you this morning, what has God called you to? There may be some of you here watching at home. There may be some of you here in this parking lot or even sitting in our sanctuary today. And what God's called you to today is to salvation. God's calling you out of your sin, out of your hurt and out of your shame. And he's calling you to come to Jesus and to find a hope in Christ. Can I tell you that if you think you've sinned too far for Jesus to save you, you're exactly where Jesus wants you to be. You're the person he needs. You're in the place that you need to be. And Christ will save you. There are some of you that are believers here today, though, and God's called you to do something. I don't know what it is. Maybe he's called you to share the gospel with your sister. Maybe the Lord has called you to be a, a missionary in your workplace. There may even be some of you that the Lord is saying, I'm calling you to leave this place and to go serve me somewhere else. There might be a young person here today or an old person here today that the Lord has called and said, I'm calling you to teach my people, and you've just said, no, 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 no. We usually start off with, God, I can't. We'll then flip around to God, you don't understand. And if we cling to it long enough, we'll just say, God, I won't. Now, your heart's saying, I won't, but outside you're telling everybody you can't because it seems more holy, right? The Lord says, I can and I will. And just like he said to Jeremiah, I'll go with you. You won't be alone. And I will give you all the tools you need to fulfill the calling that I've placed on your life.
just a moment we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And when we do, I want to invite you to stand and sing right there where you are. If, you, if, you're, if, you, if you just know that you've been telling God no for too long, some of you may just stand right there and today your, your act of surrender may simply be to raise your hand and to sing to the Lord. Some of you may want to come up here and, and share that with me. I'd love to pray with you. But some of you here today may need to know Jesus as your Savior. And if that's you today, I want you to know that I would love to point you to Christ. To show you the God who can even when you can't. To show you the hope that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me as we pray? And then we're going to sing. Lord God, I love you and I thank you. I praise you, God, for loving us. I thank you for the picture of Jeremiah. Father God, a man who loved you, God, even when it was hard. Served you, Father, even when it was hard. A man who understood, Lord God, that even though he couldn't, you could. May we trust you that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you'd like to come up here and pray with me, I'll be right up here off the camera. I'd love to do that. If you'd like to stand there and sing, whatever it is the Lord's leading you to do, you obey the Lord this morning.